There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 50. Oh my god, 50 episodes in. I can't believe it. All, all I can say is, Incredamazeballs is the word to describe that we've made it uh, this far. And thank you for continuing to listen. We genuinely appreciate your support. I also want to say that next week will be the last episode of the Nerdist Podcast for 2010. And uh, we thought that would be fitting to make that the Comedians You Should Know special, which was recorded live at Meltdown Comics on December 15th. Uh, just great comedians doing stand-up in front of a phenomenal audience. This guy's like Jonah Ray of this very podcast. Matt Bronger, Kyle Kinane, Jackie Cation, Chris Fairbanks, and others. So uh, that'll be up the week between Christmas and New Year's. I would also like to say that uh, Nerdist Podcast veteran Scott Sigler uh, is offering Nerdist Podcast listeners a special deal on his books, The Rookie and The Starter, which are part of the Galactic Football League series. Um, essentially, it's sort of a cross between The Godfather and Any Given Sunday and Star Wars. So if you go to scottsigler.com GFL, you can get free shipping, free gift wrapping, Plus, you'll get $3 off one book or 7 off a two-book set if you use the checkout code NERDIST. So make sure and do that. Totally appropriate for children. It's not. Uh, it does not get the explicit tag like we earned so many times on this podcast. Which, by the way, let's talk about this podcast, episode number 50, with the Sklar Brothers. The Sklar Brothers are twins. So that's like what happens if you get uh, two peanuts in one shell. They look very similar. Uh, they're hard to tell apart, but they taste slightly differently. Uh, the Scholar Brothers and I have been friends for a long time. They are terrific guys. I, I love them to death. And uh, they also have a podcast called Sklarboro Country under the Earwolf umbrella. So uh, here you go. Really, this is super fun. I, some, I, 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 of course, I love talking to uh, super famous people and talking about their processes. But I also love just having friends on that I think are hilarious uh, that are a delight to hang out with. So... I'm not saying the Sklar Brothers aren't super famous. I mean, they're not Ozzy Osbourne. I think they'd, I think they'd be fine saying that. I mean, maybe together they could combine to form an Ozzy Osbourne, like the character Station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, but they're great guys, and so I hope you enjoy the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 50 with the Sklar Brothers. Now entering Nerdist.com.
waters. Uh, okay, I have coffee. You have coffee. And he never drinks his water. Can I, do you mind if I sit in the middle yeah. between you guys? Yeah. Just because, uh... Right? I like getting a fight. Yeah, I read the 48 Laws of Power. This is the power chair. It's wow. got a wow. are in the power we're chair. We're, oh, it's yeah. all warm from Jonah's body. Which is Jonah's body. Starring Megan Fox. I love that, yeah. yeah. Jonah's body. Remember where we're driving back starring, up Starring uh, Kathleen Turner. <laughs> starring starring <laughs> Kathleen Turner. We were driving back up from into a man. My, uh, when you were driving, like, my side of the car was all, like, uh, you know, steamy. Yeah, that's right. My body heat. Yeah, poor, poor Jonah. J- Jonah's a tall guy, so when you're yeah. driving with him, his head will hit the ceiling of the car uh, hard. Wow. Because he's that he's that big. But hey, enough about our fucking car uh, antics. This is the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, Matt Myers on my right, Jonah Ray's on my left. I'm Chris Hardwick. And sitting across from me, the Sklar Brothers, Yay. Jason and Randy. Thank you Finally, um... We wanted you go Jason and Randy? I usually say Randy and Jason. No, no offense. But. Well, they, well, they're Jason and Randy, so... Yeah, I know. He I, reads right to left. I do, I'm like Chinese. the Hebrew Bible. Oh. <laughs> right <laughs> to like left. Like the true original Bible. You are now so if we could all just take for a minute to uh, read from the Torah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this show is about scripture, am I right? Or I don't know, it really yeah. is. <laughs> so you've listened to the show. I've listened to the show, and I'm like amazed at how much you parse the verses. I mean, Well, really where you picked up where the 700 Club left off. I really, I try to I try to bridge the worlds. I try, is, it, is it weird that Mayamaka has a crucifix on it? Is no, that not, it does. Is that, is that okay? No, no, that it's in the shape of Jews a for Jesus. You know, That's my right. other car is a yarmulke. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's really great. Is. And so when he hits his head on the top, Velcro <laughs> sticks, yarmulke on his, onto head. his head. I, and then uh, God pats him on the I, head. I wanted to convert very badly to Judaism when I was a child because I, my reasoning for this, my mother would never let me, but my reasoning was I wanted to go into comedy and I thought you had to be Jewish. You do. <laughs> I thought you had to be Jewish. I thought you had to be Jewish. Oh, you do. <laughs> it is two Jews sitting across from three non-Jews without saying that. For the record, you look very Jewish. You like you should be a Jew, and I mean that as an insult. Yeah, I could have passed. I, uh, I, when I was a kid, I thought you had to be Canadian because like a lot of comics I liked were all Canadian. I was, and I used to tell people and. Like I Hawaii, guess, I gotta move uh, up to Canada. It was, Canada. It was yeah, I sixth grade, and I was reading sign language. The Jerry Seinfeld uh, Sure, sure. And I was like, yeah. mm, I gotta do this. I, I thought you were talking you about Marley Madden's bar. My favorite, <laughs> story, my favorite Jew, story also a Jew. in sign also language. A Jew. The funniest bit, and this just showed like how great Seinfeld was. Like even in a book, he could come up with something that just made you laugh. Was uh, his bit about the paperweights? He was just like, what? Why? Are there like offices where just like wind, <laughs> it's like wind is blowing off the desks? Like, That's why, so you like, know. Weighing down. What I always loved about Seinfeld is that like, when I looked at the other comics that I always liked growing up, they tended to be weirder, mm-hmm. more character-y kind of based. Emo, you know, Emo Phillips, Emo Steve Phillips. Martin. I mean, just, even though I loved, even though I loved... Um, you know Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison and those and those guys too. But but with Seinfeld, you you did you I, love Richard Pryor as like a little kid? I did because my dad, um, my dad, my for whatever reason, my parents knew that I was into comedy, so they would just record all this stuff. So I had a copy of Live on the Sunset Strip, and oh it was one God. of the specials that I you know like when we first got a VHS player sure, in like '81 yeah. yes. or whatever. Yes. How much of it did you get? How much of it did you understand? I, I there was As some of it, there was some of it that I didn't that, that I didn't understand, but I certainly understand like when he talked about the squirrel monkey fucking his ear and it yeah. felt like a wet Q-tip. Like, yes. of course I understand because who hasn't been fucked in the ear? As an <laughs> right? eight, eight or nine year old, yeah. right? I, mean, eight eight I went to Catholic school, so okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Wet willies are very. Uh, they have wet willies. I, I don't understand why when you mention your dad, you don't say Pro Bowling Hall of Fame. Dad, oh, to imply because it's a sport. I, do you know that I fan. went when you told me that, and and it took a long time for us. You know, I think it was we knew we each other for a long time. Back on tops when you were doing it right. with us, 
and we had some time to just BS around. And, and one of the best series, I mean, and I mean internet or television back on top, is fucking hilarious. And I don't understand dick about sports, and I loved your show. Yeah. Yeah. And you were nominated for uh, a streamy award. I got nominated for guest star. Guest star. No, I didn't that. win that streamy. I think, I think Shmuley was uh, robbed. Yeah, you were in it as well, <laughs> really? the guy who, who... I watched was, it. Jan- I, Jan- I, I, Jan- I, I, Janet Varney was in it. Janet Varney was in it. And then a bunch of sports people. I remember you guys uh, had Brian to keep Hussain. on telling me uh, how to say the Jewish words yeah, over and the, over again. Well, because I love that we like are trying to force all... This goes back to what we were saying, Matt, <laughs> that we're trying to force all of our friends <laughs> into who aren't Judaism. Jewish into Judaism. Yeah. Uh, so how'd you get into Judaism? Judaism? Well, it was the web series back on top. It really pulled me in. It's kind of like when a character and an actor smokes for a character. And they just start, start smoking. smoking. Yeah. Same I, don't, I don't think anyone will deny that Back on Tops is a gateway drug. To it's Toro. a religious mm-hmm. gateway series yeah. and a sports gateway series. But anyway, you were telling us, like, I think there that your dad was a professional bowler, and we like, and the fact that uh, who is it, Chris Schenkel? That was named was, after Chris Schenkel. You were named yeah. after Chris Schenkel, the yeah. announcer who had that sort of like, I mean, that guy smoked. That guy smoked yes. a lot. Like that guy smoked while he was broadcasting, and just like yep. you could feel the gravel in his voice. But. Uh, it just, I went on YouTube and just watched uh, footage of your dad. <laughs> and it looked like an older 70s version of you bowling. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is yeah. so phenomenal. Which was amazing. And the one thing about your dad that, again, and, and we bowled when we were kids. We were in, uh, like, bowling leagues as kids. And our dad bowled. Like, our our, par- our dad and his brothers and, like, his parents, they were in bowling leagues in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So they loved it. Uh, but what your dad did was he put no spin on the ball. Yeah. Like, that was so, like, I want to say revolutionary, but just so Revolution. He, uh, yeah, well, my dad, my dad's had rheumatoid arthritis since he was 12 years old. And so when he first started bowling, he used the wrong fingers. He used his index finger and his middle finger and his thumb. Right. And then I think for a, while, for a while, in the beginning, I'm not even sure he put his two top fingers in the ball. Wow, so it's just... And then, and then, and then, and then later on, he, he put the right fingers in there. So, you know, he just, because he has limited range of motion, he couldn't... It was harder to crank the ball back then... Right. Because you're really talking about hard rubber and wood, and that was it. Right. And now there's so much technology, and sure. if you watch bowling, they fucking... Oh, we do. You do, of course. <laughs> oh, we watch bowling. They crank... I wrote an article in Wired about it, about how... Well, there's music now, and... Yeah. It's just like... But the technology of the game, my dad would always complain, like, it's so easy now. It used to be about spares. The game's all about strikes now, because the technology makes yeah, it so easy. Yeah. And it turns out they built this robot that would just throw strike after strike, and they realized that the composite material they make bowling balls from, mm-hmm. um, it has uh, like glass particles in it to grab onto the lane, and that's why the ball hooks so hard. And they realized, you know, they started to realize like. Oh yeah, this technology's kind of made the cover stock of bowling balls a little too easy. Yeah. Well, it's like tennis. I mean, p- back in the day, you look at an old tennis racket from the '70s, and it's about like the size nine- of your wallet. Yeah, it's the size <laughs> it's of your so wallet. Small. Like old skateboards right. too. It used to be really thin. Yeah. 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 And, and now these things, you go look at it, and like it's huge. So mm. the sweet spot is so big. So anybody, you can make a mistake, and still same with golf clubs. You can make a mistake now and still hit a good shot. Or bowl a good lane, or a bowl a good bowl line. Bowl a good lane. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> uh, That's what yeah, giants bowl, do. They bowl, bowl a good lanes. line. Yeah, they yeah. bowl actual full lanes. No, Van Winkle. Yeah, it just makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, the drivers look like they have fucking Volkswagen bugs on, oh, yeah. on, on the end of them. So Small big. children hanging off the bottom of them. Yeah. That's right. Just the to really X. grab the ball mm-hmm. with their hands. Mm-hmm. I, I have the hammer X that that guy. Yeah. Oh, you you, you got to keep it. I did. Thanks. It's not a bad club. I play golf every once in a while. Do you really? Let's play sometimes. I love. I would love to. Yeah. Are you in? Do you play? Do you really? I'm in. 
let's play. Holy no. shit. You guys it's... sound like you need a caddy. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the caddy caddy. Lemonade. That cool, refreshing <laughs> drink. <laughs> no, we, we watch so much comedy. I, I think that's so fascinating. We watch so many com- so much comedy as kids in the same way. I mean, we watched, there was the Rodney Dangerfield special. Young Comedian. The ninth specials. annual Young Comedian special was one of those specials. that you, one of those things that... Was the ninth annual with Robert Townsend? No, the ninth annual was uh, Saget, Rita Rudner, Louis Anderson, Kinnison. Um, Maurice LaMarche. Was Maurice in, LaMarche. Yeah, yep. who does and, a lot of voices on The Simpsons. Or yeah, and and he, I've worked with him a shitload on, yeah, on, uh, at, on shows at Nickelodeon and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, who else was in? Oh, uh, Bob Nelson. Bob Nelson, Bob yeah. Nelson. Loved Bob Nelson. Bob Nelson with the routine with putting the, uh, the, the balloons in. Number 72. Yeah. Oh, shit. 27. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever so see good. him do his fish, his goldfish roots bit? No. Where he'd blow bubbles and then he would make this like this little fish face and eat the bubbles like fish food. Now as a comedian who like occasionally does the road, just think of the amount of shit he had to travel with. Oh, yeah. just like just like, or the, the moment worst. of uh, the moment of like after doing bring, two like, shows on a Saturday night. Now I bet he had a third late show to like take the balloons out. Yeah, but again. to be fair, you have to pack a brother. I mean, I do. Do they Randy, charge extra for him or twenty five dollars on American really? Airlines now? You can't yeah. carry him on. Comedy. Can't carry him on. No, I will not fit in the overhead bin. (laughs) (laughs) Now that they're charging for everyone, everyone's bringing their brothers, and and they want to carry them on. Well, it sucks. You can't get them into the jetway, and they make you gate check him, and it's just a fucking. Which again, if they were to just leave me out there when you exit on the jet, when you exit the jetway, it just makes more sense. Instead of making me go all the way back down to baggage claim and pick him up, such a pain in the ass. I just don't want to fly tonight. You guys are talking about this. I'm just. No, it's good. Are you going to hopefully get the full body scan? Yeah, you're going to have to get to fly tonight. Yeah, it's the worst. I can't wait to not. It is the worst. I haven't flown with a person. The last time I flew with somebody was with Jonah, and we were on opposite aisles. Okay. We were both uncomfortable for different reasons. And my girlfriend is going to be with me. I'm going to be on the aisle seat, and I'm terrified of my elbow. Are you terrified of flying in general? No, flying's fine. I just don't. I've never. I I hate it because I'm so uncomfortable. I have to. My, I, like, knee, I can't, yeah, I my can't knee afford. does this awesome thing where if it's bent for more than an hour, it fucking kills. It locks? Yeah. Does it pop yeah. in and lock? Oh. Anyway. It's a pop yeah. podcast, listeners. That's Are you guys on the road a lot right now? You know. We've been on the road a little bit. We did uh, Helium up in Portland. Isn't that a great. Oh, I haven't done Portland, but I did Philly. Oh, How's Philly's Portland? Portland. Is, take, fi- take, take Philly. Take Philly times 20. Which I mean, Philly is wow. great. Okay. And then Philly's amazing. Philly's great. Portland is unreal. Like, I wish we would have recorded there this weekend, or that weekend. That weekend we did. And we did the Punchline in San Francisco. And Another there. great club. You know, there are just a handful of clubs where they really are performer-friendly. Get it and right. it's like the Helium, uh, uh, Punchline, I was just at Laughing Skull. Oh, I heard that's Comics. good. We're going to Comedy Works in Denver. Comedy Works in Denver, the downtown club, yeah, is yeah. fucking awesome. There. Amazing. And you guys forever ago had said... Uh, You've got to do the Arlington Draft House, yes. mm-hmm. and I finally just did it in Amazing. September, and it was phenomenal. And we have to get back there. Yeah, too. I, I love, love that, that spot. We're very nice there too. Yeah, right? remember we took you there, Jonah. That are you? Yeah, you were. Nice. Are you were in DC doing something else? No, 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 no I flew out there. Out there you with up. us. Yeah, with you guys, and then we. Uh, and then we taped the, a little back on top. Yeah, we went to the Camden Yard. In Camden Yards for the day, yeah. and, uh, and that was really so cool. much fun. Yeah. So I want to backpedal a little bit because sure. before we get to back on tops and how that came together, um, of course, you guys did cheap seats forever. And yeah, Thank you. I, Thank I, you. I don't, it was a hard, I enjoy watching you guys, but I didn't understand most of what you were saying because I don't know sports. Right. And we had, this, we had this long talk about how our culture now has a lot of different shades of nerds. Yes. And you were like, 
and we're sports nerds and like people like like you guys know yeah. stats and you know people and you know years and you know awards and that is pretty nerdy even that though so even though nerdy. on the surface it's it's sportsy so we, how did that show come about we did a whole special on ESPN after we had done some cheap seats trying to get this guy who is a utility player in. Meaning he doesn't play every day, but he, he plays played. multiple different positions in baseball. Okay, he's one of the only guys who played all nine positions in one season. Like he pitched, which is a rare thing. Like a pitched professional. Normally, like they bring in an outfielder to pitch in a game when it's way out of reach, and the guy gives up like twenty runs. I mean, okay. it's like it's, it's it's very rare for someone to throw to more than one or two batters if you're not really a pitcher. This guy, okay. we brought him in. We were at the game. His name it, was Jose Okendo. We he pitched for like two innings. Pitched for like two innings and struck out Dion. He struck someone out. Okay, I mean, like a position player. But he was one of these guys who was just sort of like an unsung guy who you know people you had to know baseball. And you had to appreciate the sort of very tiny, specific, nuanced elements of baseball in the nerdiest of all ways. Okay. So we did to a appreciate whole special on ESPN, too, on how to try and get, to get him into the Hall of Fame. All right. And Which so, will never happen. Never, never. In a million <laughs> years happen. happen. No, they don't let no. utility players it'd be in the like, Hall of Fame? It'd be like getting... I mean, it'd be like John Malkovich, or I'm trying to think of someone who's or Stephen Tobolowski, who's like a getting into the baseball hall of fame. Yeah, getting into the baseball. He's hall of fame. got a better shot of getting into the baseball <laughs> hall of fame. No, but like winning an Academy Award, it's like it'll never happen. Uh, I think well, I think no, he was robbed for the character of Ned Ryerson in Groundhog yeah, Day. If we want so to good. talk about I it, Needle knows Ned. Needle knows Ned. Ned the head. Yeah. He was just brilliant. so. Anyway, I it, it was so the way that show came about is that we had a friend, someone we had known for years Gary Belsky who was an editor of ESPN the magazine and the magazine was like the one thing that grew the most uh, at ESPN. ESPN and at that time it like it totally surpassed Oprah's magazine and it was like this huge money making entity and they were very much on the cutting edge even much more so than Sports Center and anything else on what was new and now and I, they just really were on the edge of what was sports and so the network started to look to them and they said well do you guys have any ideas for programs that we could do in a huge like company wide meeting and so they asked them you know we have this channel called ESPN Classic which just shows like old games and stuff mm-hmm. Do you guys have any ideas for that? And one of their ideas was watch us watch the old games. And they weren't sure. If it they weren't sure if they were going to do dinner in a movie or if they were going to do it mystery science. Mystery theater. sports theater. Right. They were like, <laughs> we're not sure what we want to do. So anyway, we we were out of work for. I mean, we had been working pretty nonstop from like '97 to like 2000. Oh, we'll talk about apartment 3F. Apartment 2F. 2F. 3F was actually where we lived in. Yeah, but two. Yeah, but so yeah, so we had not worked for for I don't know about six months. It was 2001. I don't know. This is a weird 9/11. time. 9/11. I'll throw it on 9/11. Yeah, Why not? Yeah. Drop it down. <laughs> I'll drop it. You're not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'll 9/11. Which, by the way, the best thing ever said to us about 9/11 was uh, by Morgan Murphy, who said a very funny comedian, who said. Uh, did you guys take 9-11 harder than other people because you're twins? It's <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> hilarious. Joke. And if you don't know Morgan Murphy, he's just the driest oh, yeah. delivery. And so for funny. For a second, I have to say that like on December, on September 12, 2001, there was a brief moment where I was like, oh my God, are we next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know. you got to be careful about who gets on Then we on called you. Zach and Cody, and there were only six at the time. We're like, don't hang yeah, out. Don't together. hang out. Get <laughs> away from each other. Yeah, they have a pretty more, sweet life. Um, On deck. I, 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 was just, I was just in uh, Atlanta, and I heard a woman in the Atlanta airport, which is a terrible airport, by the way. Awful. It's like it's sectioned off into like different barns. Like it's it, it's it's like it's like if they built an airport in a bee colony. Like it's just <laughs> fucking like <laughs> chambers, and there's so many Weird. compartments, and there's Weird. tons of people. But I heard I don't know why this bothered me so much. 
but I heard a woman talking to someone else, and she was like, Things just haven't been the same since nine one one. And I don't. I think. I think what was irritating about it is that it sounded like. It sounded like the way that she was saying it. There was a pretense of she was trying to give it more weight. Yeah. Right. And that's like, why she said nine one one. Is she talking about things haven't been the same since she dialed one 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 nine one one or yeah. or since the Public Enemy song nine one one is a yeah. joke. Oh, she yeah. did say yeah. fuck she the was, police. Yeah. Right? She did. Yeah. Right. She said she said nine one one a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when our, our aunt Rita, God bless her, she just turned like what seventy eight or something. She uh, she was talking at to one us point about in time. She was talking. She said, "You know who I don't like? I don't like that Jay Leno." <laughs> I was like, "Who's who's ever just like read it? Because if you read it." it and you only it know like the Leno word Reno. If you go from Janet it's, Reno. But, like, who doesn't? Who is that how it's supposed it to say it? I think Jay it is. Leno. I remember, Jay Leno. I remember, like, Christina Ricci, like, uh, said that once. Did like, he really? was saying, he was saying, isn't your name supposed to be, like, uh, like, Ricky or something like that? Oh. Like, and she's like, I don't know, isn't your supposed to be Leno? He's like, ah, all right, all right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. headline. Now touring the five Lenos. Crunch all you want. We'll make more. Get a call, Cody. And scene. And now that everyone stopped listening, we can really get into the. Don't ever do the five Lenos again. The bit that killed Nerdist just hobbled it at the ankles, took off the show's feet. So our buddy had the show idea. We were in New York for a wedding, not even for work or anything. Hey, Bart and Bart Rebecca, Bart those are wonderful friends, people. Bart Coleman, yeah. who for years like worked at Comedy Central and Comedy He's, a, he's in the Ferguson show now. I just saw him last night. He's a great breaks. friend of comedy, and he's a great guy. We were there for his wedding, and we met this guy, Gary, for, for breakfast. We are like, what are you up to? And he's like, I got this show idea. I just need two guys who have really good chemistry, who know a lot about sports, who can be funny. And then he didn't say anything. We're, he was like, uh, can you guys pass the syrup? We're like, <laughs> what? Wait, why would you, why would you not ask us to, to do this, Gary? Do you, you guys know another set of twins? Yeah, yeah. Could, you guys could get us in touch with. Yeah. So, he said, uh, so he said, I didn't think you guys would want to do something on ESPN Classic. It's not as big as some of the other places you've done stuff. And we thought, well, first of all, we haven't worked in a while, so we'll do anything at this point. But also, maybe that's the perfect place to do this because... And it was in many ways, and then in many ways it wasn't. It was kind of the, we felt the double-edged sword of it, which was, it was amazing because we got to do whatever we wanted, yep. but there was a, you know, we, we kind of ran into it a little bit with them not understanding what it is we were doing. Like, there was a brief period of time where they wanted a, they, they wanted a studio audience to be, and there were like six studio audience shows at the beginning of season two that we fought against. We're like, this is not a studio audience show. This is us hanging out on the couch, and the people at home are hanging out with us at yeah. two in the morning when they get home from the bar, and this is not them watching us deliver that. It's not that type of show. Especially if you want to fly, you know, if you want to fly ten quick jokes really fast, you, you, right. the audience will throw that rhythm off, and you want to just have that connection with the, with the it viewer. It was really hard, and they were like, and they were using like a model of you know thinking from like '87, and they're like, "This is our late night variety show," which is which is what they didn't realize they were going to get because what happened was they said, "Okay, we, we came in and pitched a ton of ideas." We went to this big meeting. Gary's like, "If you guys want to pitch on this, I'll pitch you guys as the host, and you come in and pitch ideas." Mm -hmm. So we came into this huge ESPN meeting. We pitched 
100 segment ideas and we talked about tons of jokes and we talked sports for like an hour and they ultimately decided to go with us but I think they thought they were going to get what they've been doing all along which was just sport a sports show that was pretty funny mm-hmm. but our attitude was like look we want to make a comedy show that <laughs> has sports. sports as in the backdrop right. we want people to say I watch this show and I watch The Daily Show and I watch Conan and I watch Arrested Development that's what I watch not I watch Cheap Seats and then I also watch Sports Center. Then when you start saying those, that thing to their head Heads all cocked to the side, like when we you... didn't say that. We just did it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Fortunately, we didn't say that. That and was our unspoken sort of rule we were trying to, to achieve because you know you we were in that comedy world and and we didn't want to just be known. It's so funny. I feel like we've sort of jumped into so many things. You know, as twins, we're like we don't want to be known as the twins who do comedy. We want to be known as a great comedy team who just happens to be twins, mm-hmm. and that's what makes them unique. Well, we don't want it to be a sports show that's funny. We mm-hmm. want it to be a comedy that it just so happens that... We want it to be the is- one show about sports that comedy people are like, I don't know sports. I don't like sports, but this is just so silly. Watching these guys make fun of kids at a spelling bee is funny. <laughs> yeah. That's just funny. Or like a, a show like... Well, the thing the thing that was great and what was attractive to us, and I think there's, you know, there's something in it almost in the web soup that, you know, the stuff that you do and finding the videos and stuff is there was a time... At ESPN, where they didn't have all four contracts, you know, uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL and, you know, the NBA and the NHL when it was relevant, but like they didn't have all the major, <laughs> yes. they didn't have all the major contracts and yet they still had 24 hours of programming to fill. So you would get these programs like Super Dogs, Super Jocks, which uh, was uh, Olympic caliber athletes and their dogs. It's a long episode. And yeah. their dogs going through like, the same an obstacle, obstacle course, like a well, dog. Of would, course, a dog would go through this obstacle course, and then like Bill Lundquist, who was an Olympic swimmer, would have to like jump through the same. Like thing. basically, what looked like a four-year-old's birthday party. Only like you know, why shouldn't we turn Olympic athletes into performing and, uh, what dogs? Was the, what was the theme party? Was that it was some sea place in California that no longer exists? Oh, anymore. it was just. Oh yeah, there was a there was a that that's out in um, Palos Verdes. Uh, we shot MTV there. We shot there in like '98. It was. Um, God damn it. I can't remember the name of it. It was tied into, I think it was tied into Hanna-Barbera, too. Yeah. So they were Water, a theme park. It was, yeah. it was terrible. It was a marine land. Marine, marine, marine land. land. Marine yeah, land. It's terrible. An yes, abandoned water park. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, nothing so, more I sad mean, we're, than that. We were like, that's that's funny to us. And, and how can we make that funny to everybody? And so, I mean, and for us as well, you know, we talked to friends of ours like like Michael Ian Black mm-hmm. and, and Michael Showalter. Showalter, who was a part of our show, he played, the show was called Cheap Seats Without Ron Parker. The idea of the show is that it was supposed to be given to a Sports Center like guy, Showalter being that guy who was just a total dick to the two of us, and we were his researchers. And then in the first thirty seconds of the first episode, uh, he gets crushed, crushed by, by a tape shelf. <laughs> so, so he's he goes gone. On he goes reserve. on injured reserve, and we take over for him, and it becomes our show. And so, you know, we, but we talked to those guys, and, and Michael Black, it's pretty high concept for ESPN. I know, it was. Yeah, it was love, and Michael Black is always like amazed that we got seventy-seven episodes. I mean, he's done a few seasons of his show, but he was always like, whenever I talked to him, like, God, it's really crazy that you guys were able to go that deep. And I think our best stuff wound up coming in the fourth season, mm-hmm. you know, or the third or fourth season. And so, but the downside of that is we've been fighting for them for years to make a DVD. DVD. Like when you they, go, they, they're not available. They are not yet, no. but they, they will they, be. They will be. We we have now so we're hard. finally doing it. We're fin- we, we basically are taking the the onus off of ESPN through this guy, a fantastic guy, Stan Brooks, who is a producer. He's done a lot of TV movies. He did Broken Trail, which won an Emmy with, with Robert Duvall. Duvall. 
and he did like the Bobby Knight story on ESPN and with so, Brian Dennehy. Yeah, so he's done Bobby he's he's done that. some stuff, and he's a fan of ours. And when we guest host Jim Rome's radio show, which is a sports, he's like the Howard Stern of sports talk radio. Uh, he's a fan of us when we do that, and he said, I would love to help you guys because he's wrestled some projects away from ESPN so he could do the DVD. So he's okay. like, I know what to do. And so we finally we're getting finally. To do it. I but think like, like, if you do a show for Comedy Central or anything like that, you finish like, the first season and you're already doing the DVD of it. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the model. That goes with it. And then the thing, I mean, like, I don't know, are you guys do, would you do, you guys should do like a web soup comedy tour. Like, that would be great. Well, we, you know, we, we're, we're, we do a, every once in a while, we'll do a Nerdist podcast live. Which and, I heard. I heard the one at Comic Con where you interviewed the MythBuster. I mean, oh, that, the, uh, that was a myth. That was at Comic Con. That was right? a Comic Con, but like we'll do like we just did the Bumbershoot Festival. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we did a we uh, twice maybe at Tiger Lily. We had like everyone that did comedy that works on Web Soup do a show. Yeah, that we did. is. That I think fun. those are that's cool, and we would love again because we were so associated with comedy. Everybody in comedy did our show. I just I feel like there's a I feel like there is a um, a real opportunity, you know, just the intersection of the comedy and the sports thing. I just I feel like there it seems like a no-brainer. Like there's a fucking audience like yeah, cuz well, you know, that's why we're doing everyone who's not me watches sports. So and Jonah. <laughs> right. So uh, I feel like there's a there's a there's a well, there's also a that's the goal though with Cheap Seats and now it's the goal with our podcast Sclarbro. Sclarbro. Sclarbro Country which we do every week, but the goal of that is to say how can we make this funny for people who don't like sports? And that's our goal every time. I mean, we like, do. but who wouldn't think it's funny to hear a story of a female Australian golfer who gets bit by a six-foot snake in the middle of an LPGA tournament and then finishes the tournament and, like, does well on the last two holes? Like, <laughs> that, to me, then you got to ask yourself, is, is it vi- like a super, is this like a Spider-Man yeah. situation where she was now, like, was it radioactive snake? Is she have yes. super? Is the venom performance enhancing? You yes. Ask that. Is she a they superhero? Now? How are they going to check for performance enhancing snakes? I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Finally, we shine a light on that. Uh, that. But to me, I was like, wait a minute. Then it what? becomes. Then it goes into a whole comic book discussion about like that moment in every in every in the early stages of any comic book superhero who is sort of their exposure to whatever it is that makes them who they are, and like breaking that down and equating those two things suddenly becomes relatable to other people. Did she just she travels with a snake and she she has to get bitten before <laughs> she gets sad like Jake the Snake Roberts later in her career uh, she's, she's, like, she's, hotel wa- she's now watching other people get bit by snakes yeah, that was, there was it used a, to be enough used to be enough uh, for her to get bit by snakes now, and now, now, now there's a really elderly snake in bed next to her who just doesn't give a shit about her anymore and she's exactly. like that's how it used to be you used to care why do we always fight on bite my leg I'm tired <laughs> bite it <laughs> it takes its fangs out and dentures and puts it on the nightstand or we even worse, as a night guard, night guard, yeah. all my jaws so locking. Start. I'm having trouble. I don't want to grind my fangs. I don't want to click in the morning. I don't want to grind my fangs. It's hard enough for me to bite your leg as it is. They're in therapy. It's just so hard. Like I just don't want to bite the same person. Like all these years, I I don't want for you. It, it is. I just I feel like it's expected of me, and I don't like that responsibility. Well, you know, you used to be okay with it. <laughs> you used to be able to get up for it. This is good. This is good. good. No, no, this is really good. I like what you guys are doing. You used good. to wax your legs. Yeah. Well, and they were more pleasurable to bite. Yeah. When was the last time you shed your skin? I just, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's I'm just, stress. I'm worried about uh, being on the LPGA tour and winning enough money so that we can stay in hotels that you like. Oh, you want me to stop doing that? I'll shave my legs all the time so I don't have to do that. Yeah, I'll stop, I'll stop taking chipping lessons <laughs> so that you can deep into that discussion. So, again, it's those types of stories. <laughs> Those types of stories which, like, but who, you know, that has nothing to do with 
your knowledge of you know the Boston Red Sox, which I know Matt's are very so. Very let's go back. Let's go back to Apartment Two F, which was uh, that's when I first met you guys. You guys did the show on we both uh, were in the MTV universe. on MTV. We did a photo shoot together for oh, yeah. we did we did this we did this Lee Jeans photo shoot oh, that MTV God, was doing yeah. a sponsorship for for Details in, Magazine. In, I believe it was a bunch was, of them. It yeah. was a bunch of them, and Details was one of them. And we shot it in Tompkins Square Park. I or no, or Washington. Griffith Park. We shot ours in Griffith Park. Oh yeah, by the uh, there was a big carousel. There's a big carousel there. We shot ours in uh, Washington. And that carousel, it's so funny. That carousel, I now take my daughters to to like go on that. Do they carousel. recognize it from the Lee Jeans photos? They do. Yeah. They're like, weird. wow. They have, like, they have this some, some sort of cellular well, memory. The, the picture is just wallpaper in his house. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was you guys. It's and then, like a true blood moment where like they'll like see like just weird like shots of the jeans on people like through my eyes. Through, or or like, like in a... Or like, or, or like in, um, in the one with, uh, 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 oh, my mind is totally blanking. Um, yes, in that one. Va- va- vampire movie with Kate Beckinsale. Underworld. Underworld. It's like an underworld. Like the memories are in the blood. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> memories are in the blood. Which is a great way to relate to a five and three year old. They love that. <laughs> they love that. Sweetie. I'm amazed like how that. Memories are in the blood, Finish kids. your blood. That's where the memories live. <laughs> the memories are in the blood. Yeah. It, it, was, it was Apartment 2F and then Austin Story. So yeah. Kramer and Chip Hope and Laura House yeah. were there. And then yeah. Oddville, too. Which Oddville, was another those great guys were great, Oddville, too. Yeah. But uh, great guys. And then Apartment 2F. Uh, was was you guys and Zach Galifianakis and then Showalter again? Showalter and, and again. Born and Matt Price, Jay Nash did a little thing on it. But I mean, when you think of all the people who were on that, Stephen show, Colbert. And Colbert was in the first episode. Uh, Amy Poehler, Matt Besser. I mean, UCB for their first. So you really appearance. launched a lot of careers. <laughs> I, I would not say we launched it. We were lucky enough to have those people on. But Patton did stand up. Greg Barrett did stand up. Jim Norton did stand up. Arch Barker did stand up on the show. Patrice O'Neill. Uh, this was like 96? 97. 97. Bill 97. Burr. It was a really fun show. I it think w- of all the people, and we're friends with a lot of those people now to this point, and it was it was great. It's one of those things where we're like, oh, man, I, not that we've gotten that much better, but you look back at our acting, and we were like, ooh, we were so green, and it was just so... Yeah, but that's what's fun, about, that's what's fun about being in the business for a long time is that you start to... I'm sure I've said this a million times on the podcast, so I apologize if I'm repetitive, but... Uh, I think it's always great to see people that you all started around the same time mm-hmm. and you watch which directions people go and, and sort of what their thing start ends up being and then you then you watch, then you can see like you know Zach has clearly popped now and Patton's doing a big movie and, and and it's just so fun to watch the rest of the world catch on to like yes this is what I you're this finally you're this finally in on this secret that we That's knew right. for a decade before anyone started realizing. We, we, were, we were just talking about it today. We were working at a place in L.A., like this hotel lobby, where the guy who owns the hotel is someone we know is a friend of ours, and he was. We're doing a stand-up set there. <laughs> yeah, we were doing a midday lunch stand-up set, <laughs> like, a, like a lunch, like a nooner at a college. Like at a college, they'll yeah. just put you anywhere. Oh, oh, comedy works outdoors, anywhere. Outdoors in the quad. Oh, <laughs> so you're in the hotel lobby. So we're just talking to this guy, and we were talking about comedy, and we were talking about Zach in particular about how. You know, for years, like he would, like I cannot remember a set that he's done where he's ever like struggled or like was like, ah, oh, I'm just off my game tonight. He always killed it and was always funny every single time. Crowds loved him. And now, I think recently we, we were on a show at UCB with him, uh, Comedy Death Ray, and it was after the hangover and he wasn't announced, but he showed up to show a new. People uh, lost their minds. A new Between Two Ferns. It, people lost their shit. I've never seen. 
anything like that. It reminded best- me of the book, the the uh, sec- book about Second City, you know, mm-hmm. the oral history book, where they yep. talked about when Belushi first came back after doing Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live and how he walked into the space and people like were screaming like they, the Beatles had shown up or like they were getting their necks slit. Like, it was an insane yeah. moment. It felt exactly like that. But then the best part about Zach is that, and I'm sure Belushi did it too, but... Zach then delivered hilarious brand new material that he had just written Mm -hmm. on stage. So it was not like, again, proving why he is deserving of all of that. Yeah. And and I think many, there are so many people. I mean, it's not to knock, and I'm not knocking this guy, but his rise was kind of meteoric in that way. was like a guy like Tom Green, who, you know, suddenly just became huge. Like he had his show was on a few episodes and then he did Letterman and then he was on the cover of Rolling Stone and then he was doing his movie and it was like, whoa, who is he? Where did he come from? Has he put in the years? I don't know. And then it just dropped off. Like you, you with Zach, you're like, oh, he's been doing this for years and years yeah. and years and that's Years, why years. Zach, I, I, you know, not, not to start putting people into boxes and labeling them, but just kind of watching Zach and something recently, I was like, he might be the Bill Murray of our generation in the sense that yeah. he he clearly can act. Yeah, no, he's like clear. he. I think I think Zach will end up winning an Oscar sometime within the next twenty years if he doesn't, because he's genuinely uncomfortable. I think being a famous person. Yeah, totally. he, he does not. Like and that. so it, unless 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 like he that. just decides to quit and just retreat to his farm in, in North, North Carolina. Carolina then Maybe. Well, who like? Do you like it? I mean, people probably recognize you when you go out in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, how does it feel? Do you? Are you? They don't recognize. I mean, like, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not on Zach level. So it's not. No, no, I, but like, I, mean, I don't get. You know, I, I, I do get recognized. Yeah, I, I do. But it's not. It's not crazy. Like right. I don't. I don't feel like it's. It's like the God moment. damn it! I can't live my life. <laughs> right. Think about when you're at Comic Con and you're getting recognized. Yeah, it does kind because of bug you. San Diego Comic Con? Where the Ruskies go to talk about Cold War Smiles. I saw Yakov Smirnov at Comic Con. He was hilarious. He was unbelievable. Because apparently, what the Comic Con is very different from Russia. This is Con Com is you. Uh, um, but yeah, I, you know, I mean, I mean, we get it every once in a while. We get it enough to where it actually feels good, to be honest. Like it's not intrusive in our lives, and genuinely, if someone's coming up to us, they actually they know what we've fan. done, and they're fans. Yeah, so and they're like, and they're hey, nice. What do you want? They're what do you, nice. I, this is the worst. Is I like, do hey, I do get that sometimes. What do I know you from? It's I like in the scene in Annie Hall when he shows Yes, he's not at the theater yet. Where I know you? You on TV? You on TV? He's like. Uh, no, he's like, no, no. He's like, he's on TV. He's Elvis Singer. Hey, Elvis Singer. And then the best line is the other guy's like, who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's Elvis Singer? Singer? This Where? guy, Elvis yeah. Singer. <laughs> it's that. It's that. Yes. Here's, here's, that. here's one that I love is someone someone kind of comes up and they just already seem sort of contentious and they're like, hey, my friend's a little shy, but he says you're on a show, but I don't fucking watch television. Exactly. I don't know. Well, what do you What do you do? Why am I supposed to know you? Like they get in your face about why it. You're am like, I, why am I supposed to? I don't. What, I don't know. Why did you? Why were you presented in my field of vision? What? <laughs> I now got to deal with. I got to deal with. Why you. did you make me come up to you? <laughs> why am I? Thank you. Why am I an Italian stereotype? Hey. Oh. Uh, what what was Hedberg? Luxury problems. Yeah, exactly. Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg had a phenomenal joke about somebody's like, I saw you on uh, saw you on TV last night, and then didn't like didn't assign a value to it. Like, positive <laughs> he's like, I don't know what to do with that. I have no idea what to do with this. So I turn in the, in the Hedbergian style is so brilliant. He turned. He's like, I turned my head away, and then I looked back at him, and I was like, Hey man, I saw you at the airport. And, <laughs> 
and you were good. <laughs> it's so it's so great. That encapsulates the whole thing, you know, that's it, it, perfectly. But I mean, I, I do feel lucky that people do recognize some of the stuff we did, and we've done. And I have to say, like the other night, we did Doug Benson's show, the Doug Benson interruption. interruption which yeah, will be on this Friday. I don't know when this is going. to This will not go up before it's on, okay. but but it'll repeat. It'll I mean, repeat the show will repeat. Yeah, highest so, rated Benson interruption. We'll say that now. Yes, the show that changed the way comedy <laughs> yeah. is done. On changed the way comedy is done at midnight on Friday night. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did one of them, and it was fucking awesome. So yes. much fun. Did you have fun? Yeah. So tell me why fun. you liked it because I, I want to hear. I'll tell you exactly why. Because Doug had the presence of mind to tell them, like, don't just bring in an audience of yes. random people. Yep. You bring in comedy nerds who know what they're coming to see. Mm-hmm. Through his Twitter. Through he, his Twitter, you yeah, know. Like, and and not, so yeah. people showed up. They were cool. It was like we're performing for, the, like, the people that you would want to perform. You know, like, Absolutely. it was just the right audience. The set was great. Doug was great. It, I had so much fun. So Have me. you done stand-up on TV, the little sets on, like, uh, like Conan or that kind of stuff? No, no, I've done... Um, I've, I mean, I did a premium blend, and I did I did the John Oliver show last year. I did right. a couple episodes of that, and you know, yeah. This this probably was way better than all of the things that you than all those other shows, or no? It was well, it it was different. It was fun in a different way. The uh, the John Oliver shows were shot in New York, yeah, right. Uh, That's great. I th- that, that 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 was super fun. They're they're all just fun in in a different way. I thought this was for us our best, and we've done two uh, half hour specials on Comedy Central. This was. The thing we did with uh, Doug was our best set of TV comedy. Well, your act is almost a nonstop interruption. Well, yeah, we're interrupting each other. Way. Yeah, and then he interrupted he us. He very smartly picked he kind of his backed place, off, backed and off, and let us do our things, and then picked his points to come in and always made it better, always made it funnier. But, so, but when you go to do a TV show, it's very – first of all, you're super nervous because you're like, I only get one crack at this. Like, <laughs> at any and any time if it's a live one, at any time – that this is the way I feel. Like I remember the first time we did – or the well, one time we did Conan uh, – I forgot the for opening line of, of what we were supposed no! to do. And in the you see it, and I turned to Randy at like the I top just of the thing, it. and he just picked it up. I mean, Thank God, or else if it was just me, I would have been screwed out there. Because it's so nerve-wracking, because you're thinking, okay, this is going to go out to everybody. And you're standing right behind the curtain, and then this one in New York in 97, we did Conan, but like you're standing behind the curtain, and then they're like, okay, you're going to go out there. They tell you all these things that you have to remember right before you're about to go on. And we did Killborn a couple times, same thing. And I always felt like the material we had maybe... We hadn't worked out long enough before we got up to mm-hmm. then do it on TV. But I think it's more of you just, I think when you're performing comedy, you're at your best when you're totally in it, uninhibited and you're at your loosest. Yeah. I think that's when you feel the most comfortable as a person, that's when I think you do, at least when we do our best work on stage. So we were just really relaxed. And then once we got on stage, Doug, the fact that Doug was going to be interrupting us meant that we had to keep all of our stuff alive in mm-hmm. a way that we normally don't when you go and do like a TV set. And so we just had to be open to him coming in at any time. And then it ended up being like... It was so much we fun. We found new moments in our comedy on a TV show. That's never that happened. Oh, that's happens. cool. That's it's really great. cool. It's great. And so we kind of were like, well, we're still evolving. Like we're still... And you, know, you always want to feel that way. But I feel yeah. like we are still getting better. Still figuring out what it is that we do and how do we do it the best that we And we've been doing comedy for 20 years. Holy shit. Yeah. Really 25 years. We're 39 in like a month. And the first time we stepped on stage, we were 14. Holy wow. crap! So, what do you what do you do on stage at fourteen? They were already men. Steal other people's steal material. Other people. <laughs> 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 yeah. To be fair, yes, yeah. uh, you steal other people's material, and then you write a little bit yourself. And it's <laughs> like a mixture of that. How do you guys? How do you guys write? I mean, do you do you? Because your your act, uh, 
your act is very like the, it's just like rapid fire jokes, and then we'll bust into sketches. And then you go into illustrate. sketches, and then you you're like I, I love that the the, the uh, devil went down to Georgia bit is <laughs> is one of my favorites. Do that anymore, and, but and and but you know you guys come in. Is it just having a sense of because you're twins and you have that super creepy twin connection, that, that, you know, twin, that weird cellular twin connection. Yeah, I, you know, I never put too much stock in that. Although we do listen to each other really well, and so like we listen for when the other person's coming in, and then you know kind of when to back off. So it feels kind of seamless. And the more we do our podcast, the better we get at sort of listening to each other. But it's the more you do it too, the more you do it on stage. Like we basically will come to each other with. Yesterday kind of, we wrote <laughs> with a good friend of ours, a great young comedian, and you know him, Hampton Young. Hampton Young, really yeah. good dude. Very, and, and a good young comedian. We met him at the Arlington Cinema and Draft House. Yeah, I performed with, with him before. He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. And so we sat and sort of uh, wrote some, came up and helped him out with some bits, and he helped us out mm-hmm. with some stuff. And we just kicked out, kicked ideas around. Really, it was like a wall to bounce stuff off of in a good way. And what we do is we're like, all right, here's a funny nugget of an idea. Now, how can we make that? Let's just write as much as we can about this and what makes or this talk funny. it out. I mean, like we, we the thing we did, we were flying the other day and we saw not to try this bit out, but just to explain this, we were saw like a uh, in Skymall magazine. Ray and I started looking through Skymall magazine, and first of all, they were like, "There's like they have surveillance glasses, like glasses that where you can, as it said in the magazine, discreetly record, record everything you see, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the creepiest things ever." Ray and I were like, "If James Bond were, I tweeted this, if James Bond were alive, he'd be shopping in the SkyMall magazine for all <laughs> of his gadgets. He would not have a queue anymore. It would just be Bond, like Bond. It's queue. Yeah. I don't need. I you. don't need you. <laughs> I've got and and so again, we saw that, and then we saw like a a dog an end table, an end table that is basically doubles as a dog crate. And to oh us, yes, I, I like, saw. You know that. I'm like, that is the creepiest, most hilarious thing ever. Like, who is it targeting and who are the people who are shopping for it, who are, like, shopping for other end tables? And they're like, I like it. It fits our style. It's mission style. It is mission style. style. It's great. But can you incarcerate a pet inside? (laughs) You can't. You can't. Then I don't want it. It doesn't fit. You know what I hate when I put my drink on a table and it's not jangling? It's not jostling. (laughs) It's not jostling around. I wish I wanted to tell you, you know. Bond, why do you have a planter (laughs) that uh, that also is a cat box? (laughs) Well, it's a sky molecule. It's a sky molecule. Yeah, it's that. That was my Roger Moore. It was great. It was beautiful. So, but like we start with that idea, saw the picture, that's weird, and then we just start talking it, improvising. And then we're like, well, how can we then make it more of like? So that's the premise. But then, how can we make it more of to include the two of us? Who are we in this bit? Like, do you write it down with your hands, or do you start spitting it out and act it out, it, and then jump in on each other? I think we type it up on the computer just so we have it, so we don't forget. That's the worst part. Is like when we come up with something and we're riffing, and then we we're like, "What did we say?" No yesterday? matter how, uh, how no matter how awesome of an idea you think you have, and I'll, of course I'll never forget this. You yeah. will forget it in two minutes. You will two forget minutes. it. So, so we, we kind of out, we do it in outline form. We always write our bits in like the form of an outline, like on Microsoft like, Word or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah like, really. And, and then and on then Bank Street Writer. <laughs> oh snap. <laughs> <laughs> and then we and and basically, but outline also then uh, allows us to see like what are the directions that it goes. Okay, like here's the idea, and then here's the sub thing, and this is kind of connected to this. And so we we write it out, mind mapping. It's mind right, mapping. and then we like, and then we put it up on stage, and then that really dictates to us like, okay, well, this is that didn't work, or that 
something in there is right. Like we we had that idea that I just was like watching on TV and I just saw like somebody wearing a sombrero and I was just like, God, that's so like racist. Like <laughs> just like you know the guy that's all right. That's the hat he chose, but it's like could there be a more racist hat ever? <laughs> and so we were like, well, what's funny about that's funny to us. And then who how who are we in this? How can we make this a Sklar Brothers like bit? And so we then were like, it was clearly not invented by. Mexican. Uh, Mexican people. It was probably invented by dudes who worked at a racist hat company just kicking <laughs> ideas around. And then we become the two white guys who are pitching the ideas yeah, of the racist hat. And so that that's how that bit became that bit. And then we did that. We just recently came up with that and we did it the other night on the Benson Show. Where do you workshop? Where do you workshop stuff now? Do you workshop stuff on the road or do it's like... Um, the road is a great place to workshop stuff for in terms of like... Especially. The road is a great place to take like a two-minute bit and make it a four-minute bit mm-hmm. to, to write extra tags and find new directions and find other. Ed- but for brand new bits, we tend I love to going do up in LA. There was like a bunch of Tiger sh- Lily is a show. Tiger Lily is a fun show. There's UCB. Sean Conroy, who is a, a UCB demigod uh, and a, the, like him. one of the most amazing improvisers you will ever see. Conroy put up a show at UCB last week called. Um, Fuck. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. The Incubator. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's called The Incubator. We were only allowed to bring half. You only can do stuff you've never done I before. Love it. I love that. And I want to do it. And the audience knew that was Conroy, the premise. If you're listening. And I did it. And I, honestly, it was one of the best comedy things I've done recently. Did you get to do bits out of it? Yes. I mean, listen, here's the thing 70% of what I did. Just died. But sure. Thirty percent. But thirty percent work. That's, that's, that's three. New and minutes. that made me yeah. so happy. It's amazing. I knew. I knew. I knew the numbers would be well, about. You no, know it's gonna. Be, but look, look, what's crazy is like I remember like at the beginning of a special thing when when like there was a ton of like people getting on message boards. Oh yeah, a special thing how, was the message. The comedy message boards where all the comedy nerds gravitated to like five or six years ago. And and they still go to that site. It's a cool site. But I think like the some most of the reviewing of the shows is kind of chilled out a little bit. They used bit. to yeah review joke by joke, joke yeah, by joke show. of everyone's yeah, set. And now people just record your set with an iPhone and put it on YouTube. Yay! <laughs> no, the, the the bad part about the reviewing is that like. Well, someone coming up and doing CDR for their first time. This they're going like, to do their best stuff that they've ever done. And they're going to, I remember these guys came in, like this guitar group from Australia came in and like uh, blew the doors off. You were there that yeah. night. They like blew the doors off with like stuff that was pretty funny. But like, I was like, it's a little straightforward, but it's funny and it's cool. And it's music, which is always really entertaining and cool. But they were doing, they'd never done the show before, so they're doing like their best three songs. Isn't you know? that fun and to then, go to a new place and then you're like, ah, uh, I get to open up the trunk and not feel guilty about doing the classics. You know we're going to destroy it. Yeah. And then Randy and I are coming to stage right after that and we did fine. We had a, we, I was happy with Great. the set. And again, newer stuff. That but we did a lot of new stuff, some stuff we'd never said before yep. ever on stage and then maybe one or two older things that we knew would work but like that was how we put together our set and I remember like someone reviewed it like, they had an up and down set compared yeah, to Yeah, that, that used to, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we one did. Of, it was one of the reasons why Good I stopped point. doing Death Ray. There, I mean, there was there were periods where I was doing it a lot. Yes. And I always felt like, I mean, like really, a, sometimes every week for you know a, a stretch. Yeah. And and so every time I went up, I always felt like I have got to do I have to do like seventy percent new material. And so you're on the limb. You're out always on the yeah edge. always on the limb. And then and then and then people are going up and you know like, and like you said doing that kind of thing. And then I just started to feel self conscious about it like. Because you can't explain. No, guys, I am. I am using this I'm space to edge. workshop. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not doing my A stuff. I'm on yeah. the tippy edge of my material, and that's you. Just you're using it for a different purpose. And yeah. So 
I mean, I if we can work out new material at Comedy Death Ray, we we will always take that opportunity. But of course, sandwiched in between other stuff that we know has worked in other venues, that it's kind of that's you kind of work it in other venues and then bring it to Comedy Death Ray, or yeah. you're working on the road and you're like, oh, this is a bit that we sort of, and then you bring it to like that's the way we kind of view that show. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, I just saw Paul, Paul Crash Shear. Test, Crash Test, oh, Crash Test is a great show, great too. show on uh, Monday, Monday nights. nights in New York, but they're bringing it back. They're, yep. it's now it's like an eleven o'clock show. That was like Aziz's show way back. The day in New it York. was. Yeah. It was. Aziz and Leo Allen was on that yeah, show. Yeah, Leo Allen hosted. I just. It was so. Funny. I mean, what's crazy about that it? show? I mean, a great story about that show is that we went out to record our uh, second half hour special for Comedy Central, and we're like, oh, let's. I wonder where we can put it up before we go do it. So we got in on Monday afternoon, and we thought, or Monday night in New York and we're taping on a Wednesday and I emailed uh, Jeremy Levenbach who books that show yeah. in New York great guy really yeah. nice guy really and nice guy. and a big comedy fan and and gets it and he said yeah of course you guys come come down do the show of course and so we were thrilled and we show up and like I mean this is a Monday night like at 11.45 yeah. and it's like Completely packed, wall three, to wall, wall three, three deep, like behind the seats. behind the seats. The people are like standing, like three people deep, and it was Leo hosted. Uh, Andrea wrote, Sean Patton did a set. Uh-huh. Who you remind me of him a little bit? <laughs> Sean Patton, really funny comedian. Uh, Andrea Rosen, Todd Berry. Uh, Doug, hey, ben, Doug Benson and uh, hey, hey man. man, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Todd, Todd Barry and Doug Benson, or Doug Benson and, and Sarah Silverman went up. Then Colin Quinn went up. Then we closed the show, and we're like, all right. Normally in that scenario, that's a pretty daunting list of people to follow. But we were like, I think we're going to be okay. We're, we know what we're doing. We haven't been here in a while, and it was the. One of the best sets of comedy we've ever had. Every moment was getting the last we wanted to, and it was just perfect. And so we, it was one of those like electric sets where mm-hmm. you go that this doesn't happen. This happens once every year or two. I mean, this is <laughs> I don't know the last time Colin seen us perform, and I don't even know the last time that Sarah's seen us perform. But like they came in and watched, and we were just, you know, there are peers that we look up to, and they're a little bit ahead of us in the in the sort of the comedy genealogy of it. So it was. It was really nice that they came in and saw that set, so we were feeling great. I don't she, think genealogy is the right word there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It's a, comedy, I'll accept it. Okay. Do you accept Judges? It? Comedy timeline? Comedy timeline? Comedy timeline. I was thinking, think of it like a class. Okay. They're the scene. They're, 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 they're the class they're above They're more like juniors and we're sophomores. Syllabus? Okay. So, so, no, not syllabus. Anyway, so uh, two nights later we do our special and then we recorded at John Jay College and it was a different, very different audience that they brought in for this thing and moments and bits and things that got such good laughs and such good response like two nights before we're not getting it there and I was really nervous we hadn't seen our special I was so nervous that like that was going to show on that our face that the disappointment would just like be there on our <laughs> face yeah, like, like why are they so mad and, yeah you know, why because they not we having knew fun? what it had done two nights before it kind of sure. spoiled us in that way um, but you know, sometimes in the beauty of this sh- uh, of performing and whatnot is sometimes. But that's what's kind of cool. I feel like that's a story that we'll always have for ourselves, which is like it, it, we we're even talking about this, like with with cell phones, like you were saying, with people recording stuff. Like take for example the Joe Rogan Carlos Mencia showdown. Yeah. Like now it was up on the internet and and everyone was watching it and millions of people saw it and then you can decide well wow you know wow Rogan really hammered him or wow fans of Mencia would be like he stood his ground and all that stuff but if it was the olden days like 
before all that stuff, it would just become this great legendary story yeah. that everyone would pass down, pass And then down. Rogan picked him up and threw oh, him into man. the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Scratched his he, balls and then he knifed him. I mean, like, <laughs> it would get bigger and it would get crazier and some people who were, who, people who weren't there would tell it like they were there and all that stuff and it would just become this But great, now it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, you just, just go oh, and that look thing at that's it. on YouTube. Click on it and yeah. there it is. Yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. like the other day I got a, I was so mad, I just got in the mail a ticket for like making a right turn on red in this you could make a right turn on red but I apparently didn't come to a complete stop when I was uh. doing it but I looked on the pictures that were that was sent to me in the mail and there I was there was a red light there was no sign saying you can't make the right turn and I, my signal was on. I wasn't sure if my signal was on. So I called him up, and I'm, like, all pissed off because it's, like, $475. It was ridiculous moving violation. I got to do, like, I got to go yeah, to comedy yeah. court, and, you know, <laughs> do the uh, the comedy driving class that the Tom. improv gives, which is so not Who does funny. it? Do you know who? Uh, the, uh, no. I, I, if you've done that, if yeah, you've ever gotten a ticket of moving the, violation, yeah, go to, like, the, the improv does the thing. You can do it online or whatever. But I got to do that. It's just, like, such a pain in the ass. So I called up, and I'm like, you know, what the you know, I have in my hand the evidence of this and this, and I made, but there is no sign on there. And the woman, like, let me rant it all out. I, I was like, I hate her, but like, I secretly admire her. I hated her so much for like just letting me rant it all out and be like, Are you kidding me? $475, you're raping me for this. And she was like, well, you could go online and check the video because you're supposed to come to a complete spot. I was like, video! No! You have video of me not doing that? And I'm like, I'm busted. So now I'm still mad. I've got all the like bravado of being really mad. And you're wrong. And I'm wrong. So I'm like, <laughs> how do I channel all that anger? But it is like, true. But it is true. Do, do like rednecks do and take it out on minorities. That's right. <laughs> or your wife. <laughs> or your <laughs> wife or your kid. Hey, women are a minority in some uh, cases. That's true. That's true. Right? That's true. And if your wife is a minority, you can really. Double hit that <laughs> thing. <laughs> Backhand and forehand. Backhand and forehand. And stay down. Yeah. Yeah, it's all word score on that But wife, I just was like dude. so mad. I was like, so where do I take that class? <laughs> you know, you, what you want to do is you, <laughs> you're trying to backpedal in a way that where you want her to think like, that's just how you communicate all yeah. the time. Right. Oh, do I sound mad yeah. right now? No, I'm not just, mad. Th yeah. Thanks a lot. I want you to have a nice day. You have a good day too. That's like that sarcastic David Foley character. Yeah. No, this is just how I talk. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I. I this is this is the worst. I got in an argument once with a city worker because um, the the trash the the garbage uh, men had destroyed one of our trash cans, mm -hmm. and I guess it was an oversized trash bin, and there are two sizes, and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Well, if you want the same size bin, it's going to cost you an extra, you know, like thirty dollars a month or something." I'm like, "Yeah, but I wasn't paying that before." And now I have to. And you guys broke it, mm -hmm. and so now, mm -hmm. and it, it got to such a, it got to it's such a, a point where I just I said something which didn't make make any sense, and then she said something that made even less sense. <laughs> but I said, uh, "You have a logic cube missing." <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a logic cube is, what and why, and what how do I know it's missing? Her response. <laughs> her response. The city workers this is me. No, you have a logic tube missing. <laughs> so then it turned, yeah, it turned into a childhood taunt back yeah. in my face, but it turned from logic cube, cube to, to logic, logic tube, tube. Which, and to be like, honest, wait a minute, which wait is a way minute. worse, there by the way. No that is so much worse to but, be accused of not having a logic tube. But then I start thinking about the technology. I'm like, well, but you know, if she's thinking about early like 60s technology, rounds, yeah, like yeah. There, there were, you know, there were vacuum tubes. Yeah, there were tubes. You know, analog technology. Like she might have been, but it was just. Tenacious D says, you got to get. 
someone on the tube technology. I just started <laughs> laughing and I was like, I'll just take the smaller can. Like it was it totally fine. Give me yeah. a smaller can. I'll, I'll work with it. <laughs> but my point was that video has ruined the ability to tell a great story. To, tell a, to, to have a legend grow. And for us, now uh, connected to that special for us is like this night that was recorded by no one nowhere but we know in our minds that that was like that was the special for us that Monday night you just reminded me of a very special story mm-hmm. about how and this when I tell you that when I tell you the name of the player the other player who's involved in this I think um, I think you're all going to be very impressed ten years ago I was flying back from some MTV thing and I was sitting next to Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hello. Oh, he did not did have you? a heart attack. No, no. He did not. No, but I imagine Jean-Claude Van Damme buys three seats and just does the splits. Because he can. Like, if I could do that, sure. that'd be like sure. dunking a ba- If I could sure. dunk a basketball, sure. that's all I would do. I would install basketball yeah. hoops everywhere around my house. Just be like, oh, you want me to do that? Because I can. <laughs> just Van Damme. Sir, do you want to sit in regular? He just doesn't <laughs> respond. We've been trying the whole time. He's in some type of meditative both trance. Are on the, uh, both feet arms are on the armrest. Sir, could you put down. a shirt on? Could you please put a shirt on? Could you take the oil off. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you can fly oiled up. You yeah. can't do that anymore. He's he was so great. In the ever since nine one one. He was great in JCVD. I'm kidding. <laughs> nice. He wasn't. He wasn't this oiled on the way out to Louisville. So we're <laughs> so we're we're flying over a we're flying over a wicked storm. And if you if you've never flown over a lightning storm before, it is one of the most beautiful things you will ever see in your yeah. life. Yeah. Because watching a cloud from above, you're it it look it looks like something out of it looks like something out of Harry Potter, where yeah. it's just like this ball of clouds, and then and then all this lightning is just whipping through the cloud. It's awesome. It's how they always animate your brain working. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. His brain's working. I guess Jesus was thinking about something. <laughs> sure was. In the clouds. It's all electricity. And so, it's so intelligently designed it look, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> 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 Which, by the way, that was my I wanted to pitch a sitcom called Intelligently Designing Women, where it was just a bunch of sassy Southern women teaching creationism to a bunch of dinosaurs. That's oh, hilarious. Oh, well, Mike, Mike Furman and I, we did a we did a country song called Naturally Selected, which is ah, all about the, the breakup of but where it's 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 a it's a country love song split between I, Jesus and Darwin. I and I, I'm song. afraid to put it online because I just don't want I don't want to get slide fucking show. There was a slideshow with it, right? Did we did well we no, shot a whole Dinosaur. we shot a whole video for Dinosaur, it. We yeah. shot a whole video for, for it. You shot a video. Maybe they had the video. That's yeah, we shot a whole it. video for it. Alright, so Van Dam, Van Dam. Van Dam, so we're flying over this wicked lightning storm and I just kinda of turned and I'm like, this is the mo- this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and it it pains me that I cannot take the memory of this and place it into someone else's head so they can see how incredible this is. And just all sage-like. He might as well have been doing the splits on the seats. Uh-huh. He was like, but no, because this experience is yours and is yours alone. And you wouldn't want to give it to somebody else. This is a gift that has been given to you. And I was like, Van Damage! Oh my god. <laughs> you just did some serious Van Damage to my heart. Van Damage. Damn you, Belgium! Exactly why the only VHS in my house is a letterbox copy of Time Cop. Yep. Uh, there you go. There it is. Why's he got to go back in time? Because that experience was for those people. Yeah. 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 Go back. He's not practicing. Don't you follow your own advice, Time right. Cop. Don't Just confuse the art with the artist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what he I was, was doing. doing. A mental split right there. That was. Yeah. It was. And I was so blown away that I was like, I just got fucking like schooled. sensei schooled by. Uh, <laughs> By Jean-Claude Van Damme. Why did you spit in the face of Van Damme by telling us that story? Wasn't that awesome? I did. In in that one moment, did you understand, like, all right, 
I understand, like, how, you really understood how much he got laid. You, know, like, <laughs> you can look the you, way you, you look. You can abstractly understand that it happened, the, but in that moment, in that if it moment makes you, you're like, if you really got laid. I, I let him butt fuck me in the laboratory. Yeah. If that is anything. I think you have to at that point. Yeah, that, you don't have a choice. Yeah. That's required. At that game, literally, he might as well have just finished that and been like, after you. Yeah. The craziest part, you loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, to, to, but just to sort of echo what you were saying, of course. The internet has ruined a lot of things, exactly for that reason. But that that being the 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 story and the lore, because again, a lot of it is, and, and we've been reading a bunch of books about comedy. There's a great book, um, I'm Dying Up Here, which was written by a uh, Bill Knodelator, I want to say. It's a really weird long last name, but he he was uh, sounds uh, like a '30s contraption. Yeah, it is yeah. the Knodelator kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was he was a, he was the LA Times beat writer for a comedy in the '70s, and then there was the strike. Of there was the, a beat writer for yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah, his was, beat was, was comedy because oh, it was became this kind man. of crazy. It was rock and roll back well, then. Also, like think about. I mean, it kind of was the AST, I guess, of his time. There was no, like, people weren't going online to check stuff. It's like you had to sort of take the alternative stuff and put it into some sort of God, a, can you imagine crushing at the comedy store in, like, 76? Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you would have done it in front of Letterman and Pryor and... and but all those guys. But you just and... reading the stories of those people, and they're all, they all feel like it's like folklore almost. You're hearing the stories of how they would all... You know, it's so funny, we... Uh, Chelsea Peretti. We we had a set of uh, of kind. Of, were you did you were on that show, right? No, he didn't show you did not up. Show up. That's right. <laughs> Way to bring that up. <laughs> we're trying to get Jonah to learn how to use iCal. Jonah, no, Jonah was we, uh, we invited and he chose, and he chose not to come. Oh, that's not the story where you told where you were like I was supposed to open for the Sklars and I forgot. I, uh, and I saw them the night before. They were on my show. And we told them about. We're it. Like, by the way, your show is another great show that we took. Oh, like, the meltdown meltdown show. Great show. Great audiences and a lot of fun in a really cool space. People that show up. But we, uh, but anyway, so she was on, Chelsea Peretti is, you know, someone who we've been friends with, but I hadn't actually seen a full set of her comedy. And she went on before us, and I... In Jonah's slot. <laughs> she went on right before us, and she was amazing. I, I literally, I love her comedy so much, and I loved what she did on it. Like, she... She took it to so many different levels, and it felt so free and improvisational, well... While at the same time being so written, she wrote so, well so many good jokes, and it was like, I was like, because you read a lot about Elaine Boozler back in the day, kind of busting in and doing it where the guys did it, and yeah. she didn't care and did a different type of comedy, and you can kind of go back and see it a little bit, although she sort of changed through the '80s and mm -hmm. whatnot. But I was like, this must be what they were kind of talking about because I really felt like she was. It was only a set that a woman could do. It was only a set that like she could do, and yet it was not exclusive to. It didn't make me feel bad because I was a dude watching it, and it just was funny, flat out funny mm -hmm. on all levels. It's kind of the way I feel when I watched Sarah perform. But I was like, you know, this was just. It was so eye opening and amazing, and I was like, this is incredible. This must be what it was like when you yeah, saw somebody who was great in that in that way. I was blown away. Well, I, I, well, I was at, I was at Laughing Skull in Atlanta, and they. They have started doing these shows. Some guy basically took over an abandoned church in Atlanta and has turned it, he's taken every space in this old church and put uh, some sort of a performance space in it. Wow, wow. And he's like, like, they do improv there and that sort of thing. It's called Relapse. And it was, and so they had said, you know, after your two shows on, on Saturday, do you want to do this 1 a.m. show at Relapse? Mm -hmm. 
and it's where all the comedy nerds, you know, it's it was the first they had done a few, but this was the first one that I think they were going to start doing it regularly. Got it. And uh, and so you know we're in the basement of this old this old church mm-hmm. that they are still in the process of refurbishing, and it was it was this really great Atlanta comic comic named Andy Sanford who was really hilarious, and then Rory Scovel happened to be in town. Oh, nice. And he. Uh, he was fucking awesome, yeah. and, and I yeah, think he so just fun. fucked around the whole time. But he yeah. did, he did that thing where, you know, his he was very like his his stuff was very acty outy and, yeah. and and absurd, and he did that thing that like that that Paul F does that I love so much, which is they dive so fucking far into us into a scene yes. where they start taking right turns with just little bits of information, yeah. and they make yeah. that the focus of the scene, and yeah. and it really felt like. Yeah. Oh my God! This was and this was this was so it's so much fun to be a part of this and then watch because club comedy is one thing, but then and Laughing Skull is is more on the alternative side of clubs. Right. That's that's hardly. But at the same time, it's bones. so much fun to watch people do the most like fearless experimental shit uh, imaginable. And it should be what we all do when we get to where we get to. You know what I mean? Like, we should have no fear, and we should be doing that. Which is what but that's I where saying. people get more fear, because you don't because those people don't want to lose their success. Sure. Well, what I say is, and that's why this uh, set the other night, not to bring it back, the other night on Doug's show was so wonderful, in that we were as fearless as I think we've been in a long time. Because have you been doing a lot of road work, you say? Yeah, we've been, we did San Francisco, San Francisco and, and Portland, Portland, and then a little That bit helps more. so that much. Helps. That really helps so helps. much to, like, once you are so comfortable with the words and yep. the beats and you then then you can go up and have fun with it because that's your safety net is that you know what you're doing exactly you could always come back to that you can you can go out farther because you know you're safe yeah when we act out when we do our comedy it's usually again like whereas this one, is where we're kind of going where more. one person will do you know a comedian will bring up a premise and then deliver like different examples to illustrate the mm-hmm. point or maybe even act it out maybe even act it out we that's really what Drew have... Carey says it's a, it's a, he said Drew Carey always says like it's that's a comedy staple you lay out a premise and then act it out and act it out but for us we have the ability to actually go into a scene and really get into who these people are like and the Sleeping Beauty bit like the which sleeping... is one of my favorite bits thank you the Snow White the Snow White Snow White, Snow White sorry, bit Snow White, yeah. Yeah. Snow White bit I mean again... which has grown so much even since you've seen it well I remember like, even you guys were still riffing on it playing with it in uh uh, Arlington when we went out to DC yeah. it's like you guys it's like we've been thinking of, because like uh, you know you were thinking about that story Snow White just that the happily they live happily ever after being the laziest third act in history <laughs> like, no way and now we're kind of like well we're married and, and it really has turned into so much more about like you can live with you can learn to live with someone and all of their idiosyncrasies like you or can, you could go to therapy and and understand why you made the life choice of that partner to share your life with. And then make peace with that decision. But you'll never live happily ever that's after. That's like, <laughs> not, that, 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 that won't So that's where it starts. And then we're like, especially the way these two met. And so the bit is that we then go into, you know, our impression of Snow White and her husband eight months after they've been married. And they're just having a conversation at the breakfast table. And so for us, it's like it feels almost like a new heart bit or, you know. It's it, a new heart bit, but you get the other side. Yes. Right. <laughs> new heart would always be. And what was so funny is to anticipate what the other person was saying. And I love that about that. But this is like or a Nichols and May thing where you're like jumping into what. Where it's about all that stuff and we set up all that stuff. But I think like the Drew Carey thing, what, what our alternative sensibilities in us say is 
fine, we'll give you the setup and we'll act it out, but we're going to act out things that you didn't expect to happen out of that setup. So then it really becomes about them at the breakfast and table. He's like, one, the, the, the husband is like making veggie sausage and he's like really focused on what he's doing. But, but he's using the veggie, veggie sausage as a way not to really have the discussion that she wants to have. So he's talking about whether he should turn it from She's low like, to medium about, low. Forget about the sausage. Just maybe it should be on medium. You know what? I don't know how matter. long we're going to be talking here. Matter. I don't want to waste I just want to have a type of you know? marriage where we can, you know. And so, like, it becomes that. And it's we leave that loose enough so that we're on our toes. And then when we're on doing those shows, like, we're improvising. Any, anything can happen. And, like, in Portland, there were just he was doing some things that were just, again, you never want to bust it on stage ever and just start laughing. But, like, I was like, that made me laugh. It was funny. And I tried to then... As that character, laugh in a way that you would laugh nervously as Snow White. Or be angry that you're laughing. Yeah, be upset at yourself. I mean, it's just great. It forces you as an actor to kind of in those moments. And so for us, what we found, and I don't know if it's because of our podcast or it's just because of the amount of stuff that we've done that's out there now, I feel like, and and the clubs are going to, the audiences are willing to go with us longer and on our bits. Yeah, have you you found that like when you went out to laugh, there were like Nerdist fans were there and people were there? Yes, yes. And, and, you know... um, and it was so much fun. Like, like nerds are starting to show up. Like the nerds that I want, like the people listen to the podcast, and people like people that I would genuinely hang out with are starting to show up to the, to shows. the shows. And and all all the shows at Laughing Skull were full, uh, but the late show Thursday night, for whatever reason, ten people showed up to uh-huh. the late show. Yeah. And so my first instinct was, <clears throat> ah, what the fuck? I'm not where I want to be yet. I can't believe I can't sell out this room. Right. This, you know, like, yeah, despite the fact the rest of the shows end up being fine. And uh, and my first instinct was to get all mad. And then I realized, like, well, it's not the audience's fault that no, this guy showed up. So I I used it as I, I went out there and I started talking to the crowd. And then I pulled the table up from the audience and just brought each person up one at a time and interviewed them talk show style, <laughs> just so we could all get to know each other. That's hilarious. And so that took an hour, and then I did, and then and then I did sort of did my act right. for another. I did two hours, which I've never done before, no. and it ended up being one of the most Perfect. fun stage experiences of my life. That's really cool. Which you know was great. It's like which a- could have been like dreadful I sure. know, if I had that, a bad attitude about it. But that's the beauty of. You know, doing what we do and bringing it out there to people and, and getting around and seeing people. And again, we uh, we're finding with our podcast, like Scarbro fans are like coming out and coming out in wearing T-shirts. How is that going? Are, you know, we talked yeah. about this months ago. Yeah, I talked to you and you said you have to do a podcast. And of I was, course. And I, you honestly, how convicted you were with you know because you had only been doing it briefly. This was in the spring, and you guys had only done yeah, it had only this been a couple months. Couple uh, months. How long have I been saying this? You've been <laughs> saying it too. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Like, how often are you on TV? No, no. Tell us how no, about you said. Uh, Hardwick, I called you, and well, we talked. Our, our, actually, it was outside of UCB. I think we were at Chelsea. We were both Chelsea. It was one of the shows where they decided to start splitting you guys up. Right, it was just me and you, and and I just had the longest conversation with you about it, and you were like. Here's why you should do it. And I said, well, there's no money in it. And, you know, we got to make decisions that will help us make money. And you said, do this and the money will come in other ways or it won't come. But you'll feel so satisfied by what you're doing. You'll forget about that. And you are 100 percent right. I mean, we kind of just started out the gate and we were lucky enough to have some really good people come on the show and good guests that, mm-hmm. like, I think fans were like, you know, and then people who have been on lots of podcasts, but they're like Janine Ruffalo, John Hamm, you know, Patton, who was just on, or Birbiglia, or yep. Swartzen. Like, these are all people that have their audiences that come to it in addition. And that's kind of what we thought. We got to really sort of dig in at the beginning. And uh, and they're all friends of ours. So there's like a real common sort of language in, in there. But 
it's been it's been amazing. Like we'll tell people three weeks out, like, hey, we're going to be in Portland, Scarborough Nation. Buy your tickets early, and then we'll get to Portland. And you know, we were always we'd go into a club and we're like, why aren't we drawing as well as we? You know, we're like that's eh, kind of light. Yeah. We're like, really? If people knew we were coming, I feel like more people would show up to these shows. And we went in the last couple clubs, and they're like, you're drawing better than we've drawn in the last few months. And That's I'm great. Like, that has to be. I've been here. Uh, I've been. I've been hearing that too. That and has to be a function of the. It, podcast. it is the. It is like the podcast is the best way, to 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 connect with people that you want to be performing for because they will if they like what you're doing they they will download it and they will listen and then, and then when they show up at shows like everyone because I always go out and talk to people after shows yeah. and and they always and it mm-hmm. people show up more because of the podcast than anything else put together that's great. awesome and they are always nice and I always like talking to them oh, and they're yeah. always like these really cool people and then You've you realize incredible interaction you realize that if people listen to you regularly it's probably because you'd probably get along with them. That's right. They like what you have to say. You're, you're being, like, you're revealing personal stuff. Even though we're gagging around here, you're talking about in that moment, you know, when you saw there were 10 people, like just even you revealing like that you were like, oh man, you I'm not bum. where I want to be. Like even just sharing that part of yourself. Because a lot of people would look at you and be like, well, Hardwick's doing a show on G4 and he's like doing voices on this and I see him on that and he's doing stand-up all over here and he's on TV. What do you mean he's not where he wants to be? But the fact that you have that idea in your head and you just revealed that on your podcast. Oh is, yeah, I recorded that. Is Sorry, a, Chris. Is a is a is a telling thing because and I it think, is open up. Peop- I think we all feel, feel that way in, in many ways. For our fans, like we'll get tons of emails of like, I'm a grocery bagger. I hate my fucking job. My friend was listening to her iPod. She works at the grocery store with me, and she was cracking up. And I said, what is that? And she said, Scarborough Country. So I downloaded it. And now you get me through the worst part of my day on a Friday. You get me through. Or other people like, I'm commuting, and I listen to you when I commute in. Or I'm working out. I hate working out. But it goes by like this because I'm listening to your thing. So what you realize is you are with people in their very personal and you're in their ear they're like you're, you're the very personal now what I would love to do and this is something that you know maybe even through sponsorship of our show because eventually we're going to have to make money and we're out to try and get sponsors and stuff but I would love to open it up to where remember when the uh, Flaming Lips made that uh, album the soft uh, Zurika no oh, the soft, soft, bulletin? soft bulletin where they're you you had no, that wasn't the soft bulletin. It was a different album. Zurika oh, is one you, the four discs. The four discs Zurika, that you yeah. had, like you needed. It, they were like music is getting so like individual. We want to do it so where people can like hang out. And so if you play if people, play them all at the same time, yeah, right? And yeah, and they would the like they wanted you to surround yourself with different stereos to play all four discs at the same time, and those songs well, would guess, end up swirling around. And you. I guess you could be one person with four stereos, but yeah. ideally, what they wanted was four people to get together and listen to music together. I would love it if people would then start listening to podcasts together be like you know the thing that they do before they have people over and then on Friday night when it drops like we'll listen to the podcast together that's what we'll do and then we'll have a dinner party they might but I feel like it's it is a pretty personal experience and so you never know where it's gonna go and so like it'd be cool to open it up that way it's so great are you are you working with Ackerman the earwolf thing yes we're on earwolf.com is where Scott yeah Ackerman's so smart he's he you know Scott Ackerman is the guy who is is Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter were the ones who started comedy death ray and they were a writing team and they were for Mr. Show and Scott Scott does comedy death ray radio and and he's he he really is smart about like pulling you know like creating this pod this network. I mean I think podcasting is the best medium going. It's the most exciting time. Him and Jeff Ulrich, who also works with oh, his the, business partner Jeff, is a great. Dude. They both got it with with uh, Earwolf, and they asked us to be the first show to be so the funny because we were kicking around. Well, should we do it on our own? We're like, well, should we? What should we do? I mean, should we just? 
start doing the podcast. We talked to Fitzsimmons, who has a great I podcast. I talked to you. Yeah. I talked to, talked to Matt. To Matt, talked to Matt. you guys were all like, you just do it, do it, do it. So we were about to do it, and then Jeff and Scott approached us and said, would you guys want to do it? We're kind of opening up this network, and we're like, uh, yeah, this is perfect timing. Great. Well, but I said it was so amazing. It is a golden age, I feel like, for comedy, for comedy fans, for people who don't live in L.A. or New York or, you know, in any of those places where a lot of us who do the podcast live. This is a chance for them to see us do new material every week. Mm-hmm. Every week, a new hour. I mean, it takes us like six months to write like a new 20 minutes for our act. Even. It's a lot. I mean, we're trying to write, you know, trying to literally trying cycle to tr- in. We're trying to cycle in a new half hour if we can every nine months. So if we come back to places, then at least like, ha- you know, two-thirds of the show is new for the audience that's there. But like, you know, that's hard to do. We, but we write. We, we write material for our podcast. And I know this is more of a freeform uh, interview, but like... You know, you you're you're giving them comedy. I listen to your show; it's entertaining. I listen to it while I hike. It's like funny. Hey, that's nice. So so I do that, and it's like wow, I get that entertainment from someone I like each week of new material every week. And I think we're at the beginning cusp of it. I think it's only going to get bigger. I, I hope it only will get bigger. I mean, like shows that are getting like twenty to thirty thousand downloads a week, which is kind of where we're at right now. We've only had about like sixteen episodes. That's really great so, to be where we're at there. And I think it's growing. I think it's kind of it, it will, forward. especially with like the iTunes suggestion engine. Sure. And then you'll start doing more of that stuff, and it'll be it, it'll be great. And hopefully, but I think it will grow to like where shows like Marin's and yours, and hopefully ours, and definitely CDR will be at like fifty to seventy five thousand. I know Corolla does his every day and gets 200,000 downloads or whatever he does. But, like, for all of us, we know there are people like this and Twitter, I think, are phenomenal tools to kind of identify our fans out there and sort of be like, hey, we're doing this. I just appreciate that that this whole network of people is so supportive and that yeah. we want to go on each other's shows yeah. and we want to help each other. Like, we're all oh, in the I same fucking it. boat. Like, we need to yeah. – like, the fact that we're all helping each other, I, I think, is, is, so, is so fantastic. We're actually – I get this will go up before this happens, but like going back to earlier, like because of those Dangerfield specials that yeah. always change my life so much, uh, I decided that I wanted to do like a, a like a stand up special podcast. So we're gonna Jonah help set up with uh, Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjani. We're gonna do a. Uh, it's I would hate to call it a young comedian special because like they, they, they all these people have been performing for a while, sure, but, but you're a breaking them to the comedians yeah. you should know. So like right. Jonah's going to do it, and Kyle Kinane, and Matt Bronger, right. and hopefully Chelsea Peretti, and Great. hopefully uh, Natasha. hopefully Natasha Legero, and uh, and Kumail, and uh, Paul Sebus, Paul Sebus, and just all these all these Great people, people that you know that maybe don't that just are just don't haven't had quite the exposure that they deserve it. And we're going to record it. We're going to do a live comedy show at Meltdown. Everyone will do like it'll be like an old comedy special. Right. And, and then, then we'll put it out as a as a as a podcast. As a podcast. You That's should great. also put it out as a DVD and a CD. <laughs> I don't know if we'll do that. That that, that takes shooting and editing and well, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that. We'll have to figure that out. Camera. So that, so that, I will say, awesome. like, as a if if you're in LA on the fifteenth of December, to do it. Great. That's no, so guys, good. no, you, you already no, have you your so own much. thing. Oh, no, that's you already. So, you don't mind. But the love, shows. I love listening to like again talking about podcasts. Like listening to like <laughs> that'd be something like Carlos Mencia would be like. You want me to do it? I'm just gonna bump Jonah. He doesn't need you know his time. He bumps three Carlos people. Did four hours. Comedian yeah. special. So that that shows December fifteenth. If you want to come to the live show, it'll be at Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles, and then. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I 
didn't have time to ask the question that I really wanted to ask, which is, are your cocks identical? Uh, cock rings identical. Okay. Cock rings. And they, I, well, I've had plastic surgery down there. To no, you're not. Are you Are you fraternal? You're fraternal twins. We're identical. Well, right and I will say this. Uh, my cock has glasses. Randy's <laughs> <laughs> That's how Randy's does not. So, and then that watch. Or a monocle. Will, Wouldn't it have a monocle? It would have a monocle, but I can't do a contact down there because it's just so hard. I can't. You can't put it inside of it. It's too uh, sensitive. I, I would say. Sorry I ended the podcast with the hackiest joke no, that joke, could come out of my mouth. We, you know, connected to our cock, ring, our cock rings are two tiny keys that whenever we tweet, because we have the same Twitter account, we have Sklar Brothers, you put it in the Plug thing the and then you kind of double Sir, turn your key to the right. Yeah. It's like a safety deposit box. But you don't want to lose a mission, that. Or, or, or the launch codes. Launch codes yeah. for missiles. Like, we yeah. don't want to, we don't, I mean, I don't want to lose that key. So you put it in the place where you'll kind of always where you know. So SklarBrothers.com? Is it's that? Uh, at Sklar Brothers is our, uh, is our Twitter. Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's usually when you can kind of find out what's going on. Larbro Country, which is at Earwolf.com. If people are going to be up in San Francisco, we're doing, we're headlining the New Year's show. Oh, great! At the Palace of Fine Arts with for the Nick Thune's on the show and Charlene Yee's on the show. It's a fun show. That'll be, be fun. Great. And then uh, we were talking to Sketchfest about doing a live Sklarbro. We've never done a live Sklarbro, but potentially doing a live Sklarbro up in uh, San Francisco for Sketchfest the last weekend in January. This could be the year of the podcast up at Sketchfest. That would be so oh, much be really fun. Cool. And then do like, I mean, we would love to like try and get because the San Francisco. Giants won the World Series. Like, get some of these great, and they're great dudes. Well, I'll characters. tell you something. The only I only know one person in sports. Barry Zito. I'm friends with Barry Zito. Are you really? Yeah. Get him to come on the. Uh... Was he on the roster? I don't think he was. No. <laughs> but uh, but he's a very nice guy. He seems like a great dude and funny and seems like a quirky dude. And Brian Wilson, who's the relief pitcher, who grew like basically from the Abe Beach Lincoln's Boys. Beard. No, yeah, I was gonna say, but he grew a beard like. Uh, What's his name's beard from Wet Hot American Summer? I mean, he, he looks like Chris uh, Maloney. He looked yeah. like Maloney in Wet Hot American Summer. If Maloney was trying to like, like, <laughs> didn't have the time to grow back that beard because of SVU, and so they wanted to do a reunion show, and he just put on a fake beard. <laughs> That's what he looked like, and it was so genius. And he's a very funny guy. There's actually a scene in Wet Hot American Summer where it is a fake beard because he did oh, go yeah. back to shoot. He had to go back and shoot, yeah. and so it is a fake beard. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You guys are uh, wonderful, and I'm glad we've been friends. All these years. Likewise. And I hope we continue to blah, blah, slather, oh, yeah. slather, lick, lick, kiss. Oh, that's not going to happen. What? No, I mean, yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. You want to say it, Jonah? Uh, enjoy your burrito. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.